We started a new series recently called Root to Fruit, and uh, it's drawn out of the book of Galatians, where there is a list of things that develop in the heart over time of every follower in Jesus Christ. It says in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. We're spending a week or two on each fruit of the Spirit because we are learning uh, what it means to grow spiritually. So last week we talked about patience, week one, and this week we're talking about patience again. And uh, I found something that is truly a gem, something I'd like to share with you. It's a treat. And uh, you know whenever you're put on hold that it tests your patience. Am I right? Because we don't like to wait. And so the worst words you could ever hear when you're on the phone with someone who can solve a problem is, please hold. And yet we're put on hold. So to make our wait more comfortable, they usually play hold music, right? And I tracked down the most famous hold music that's ever been used. And I'm, we're going to play it for you right now for, for your listening pleasure. So here it is, the most famous uh, hold music that has ever been used before. Hope you're enjoying this. So soothing. This whole sermon, I'm actually just going to make you wait. And then in the end, I'm going to say you are loved. It's my plan right now. Because I'm teaching you patience. While this sets the mood, uh, just ask yourself, why, why are we waiting? Why must we wait for things? What will God make you wait for? Uh, God will make you wait for everything. Absolutely everything. You have to wait for food to grow before you can eat it. You have to wait for the sun to rise so you can get moving with your day. You have to wait for a paycheck for a week's work. You have to wait for a spouse, for children. You have to wait to grow up. He even made you wait nine months before you were born. You had to wait to actually come into the world. God's going to make you wait for everything. You want to hear more of this? I have to catch up on my emails right now. It's just uncomfortable when something should be happening and it's not happening yet. All right, you can cut off that music. If you'd like a copy of that, send me an email and we'll get that out to you. <laughs> we don't like to wait. Uh, do, you, do you resent that God is making you wait for something right now? Do you resent... Uh, are you feeling the humbling experience that goes along with God saying no or not yet? Has it even gotten to the point where it seems humiliating that you are just waiting? Uh, last week, the sermon was about why we wait. If you didn't catch that, go on our app, go on our website. All the sermons from this series are there. 
Uh, but if, if you want to know why we wait, why would God ever make me wait for something good? Uh, go to last week. But today we're going to talk about how to wait. Fine, how do I do it? I know why I wait, but how do I do it? Uh, let's pray, and then we will learn how to wait. Father in heaven, thank you from last week that we learned that you are a patient God, and our life depends on it. Amen for a patient God, we say. Uh, but we are not patient, so help us. Help us to become like you. Help us to understand your ways better so that we might be able to wait confidently. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just like last week, we're not going to any one passage today. We're going to go to several verses. Uh, And usually when we go to a passage, we go word by word, verse by verse. We dig everything out of it. We're tracing a simple theme through many passages today. So it's a little unusual, but we're trying to just hammer one nail throughout the whole service, which is... How do we be patient? You know, how do we do this thing uh, called waiting? And um, in your bulletin, you can write this note down. You've got to write the whole note down today, which is, you're, if you get a hand cramp, that's okay, just shake it out, uh, but a little more work for you. But the first note is this. We'll throw it up on the screen. Uh, God must give me power to wait. If God doesn't give you power to wait, you won't be able to do it. You can turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Um, Colossians chapter 1, verse 11. And what we see in the book of Colossians uh, is the uh, Apostle Paul is writing to this church about the preeminence of Christ, um, but he also talks about the fruit that comes from our relationship with the, the Lord. And in Colossians 1, uh, what we see here is an introduction to a church. And he's writing this church with uh, basically spiritual advice and commands on how to do the Christian life. And so in Colossians 1... Verse uh, 11, it says this, um, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, verse 11, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. This is really awesome. I'm going to read it again. It's a prayer. May you be, church, strengthened with all power according to, what does it say? His. Point, point to whose might it is. Point. Where is the might? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, nope, I missed. Not here. Not my strength. His strength. May you be strengthened according to all His glorious might for all endurance and, there's the word of the day, patience with joy. That's not easy. That last part with joy is not easy. But God has to give you the power to wait. Uh, This power is directly tied to God's presence in your heart. Uh, His power is not somewhere that you have to run and earn. You don't have to do these little spiritual tricks for God so that he throws a few treats to you. You know, like, oh, you really did a good job on that, so I'm going to give you more patience. That's not the way it works. When you are saved, God's Holy Spirit comes inside of you, meaning you have a new relationship with God. From inside, He gives you strength for the day. If you don't know Jesus as Savior, you don't have God's strength in your life. You won't learn patience in the heavenly sense of the word. You can't because God's not real to you because He's not alive in you. Once you get saved, God's Spirit is in you. And that's the same Spirit that was present at the dawn of creation, Ordering the cosmos, that's the power that gives you strength. 
You can find strength in many places on your own. You can find strength in denial. You can find relief in uh, over-medication. You can find you know, release through hobbies, but really that's not what's going to get you through this life in one piece. Only God's presence in your heart will see you safely through this life and on to eternity. God must give me power to wait. If he doesn't give it to me, I can't find it anywhere else. Um, what this means is ultimately patience runs on belief. Patience runs on what you believe to be true about God. Impatience runs on unbelief. And if you don't believe the truth about God, you won't be patient. But if you hold uh, firmly to your faith in Christ Jesus, then you can believe that what he's doing is good and true. He will give you endurance, but you have to get it from him. Uh, Last year, my my daughter graduated eighth grade, uh, and because of her eighth grade graduation, we took a special family vacation to Disney. And in Disney, there's a lot of lines. And so uh, you try and find out, like in the Magic Kingdom, which lines are shortest and longest. So they've come up with an app that tells you right on this app how long the wait is for all of the attractions. And you can pull it up and you can say, okay, we're going to Space Mountain because the wait is shorter there than it is over at the uh, Seven Dwarves coal mine ride. And off we go. I, it would really be nice if we had that app for life. Well, how long am I going to be waiting for a spouse? Hmm, okay. I think I'll move on to the job because I'm going to be waiting shorter for a job than I am for a spouse. I'll get a little more time for that. And Wouldn't that be helpful? All in favor of that app being produced? Yeah. Huh, I'm going to wait that long, right? That would be really nice. I I discovered, I was really curious in Disney. I'm like, how do they find out how long the waits are? Like, does somebody just guess? And then I realized that what they do is periodically they give someone who's entering the line uh, this card that they wear as a necklace, and then that person is being tracked through the line And then when they get to the front, they hand the card off and it updates the whole app, okay? So uh, I kind of wanted to do that, you know? And uh, I had my chance when the parade was going on and we saw that the big Thunder Mountain Railroad ride was down to about a 15-minute wait. And I thought, oh, let's go to that ride. So we went to the ride and when we got to the front, they gave me the necklace of power. (laughs) And I said... The world is depending on me right now. I said, girls, let's go. And we ran through the line because I wanted to see just how low I could get the wait time. And so we ran through the line. Get out of my way. Everybody get out of my way. And I got all the way up to the front and I basically threw the necklace at the person. And she tried it. I'm looking at the app and it got down to five minutes. I was like, yes, I did it. You're welcome. Everyone in the park, you're welcome. You now know there is no wait for the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad ride. (laughs) Waiting is uncomfortable. It would be nice if we knew how short or long the wait would be, but we just don't. Uh, And therefore, God has to give us the power to wait because we won't know how long it is. Patience runs on belief. Impatience runs on unbelief. If you're impatient or if you're being impatient, you have to dig down to the bottom of what you think is true about God. Only then will you find patience that um, sustains you. There are four lies about God that we've been confronting from the beginning of this series. You can jot these down. The first one is God is not competent. Uh, If you struggle with anxiety, restlessness, worry, ulcers, sleep deprivation, insomnia, if this is you, look down into the bottom of your heart and find this lie lurking there. God is not competent. 
Uh, this is mine of the four. This is the number one lie I'm tempted to believe. And you have to understand that anxiety is not your friend. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help you at all. Uh, what anxiety is in your heart is it's a faithless protest aimed at an eternally competent being. Uh, anxiety is the result of accepting the reality that we aren't smart enough or strong enough to successfully manage all of the affairs of our life perfectly. That's true. We're coping with something that's true poorly. That's why we develop an anxious heart, because we're coping with something that's true poorly. Based on what we see in the mirror, we create God in our own image and act like He is not good enough or smart enough or strong enough to manage all of the affairs of our lives perfectly, so we have to help. And really, we're not helping Him. He's upholding the whole universe while you sleep, while you're snoring. He's managing the uh, black hole situation in the center of the Milky Way. Okay, so all of the fretting and all of the worrying and all of the panic and all of the hysteria does nothing to help God. Do not worry. It's a command. Do not worry about your life. But until you ad admit that you're uh, struggling to believe the truth about God, the anxiety will remain. But your heart will find rest if you admit that God uh, is the only thing holding my universe together right now. He's it. Uh, the next lie is God is not good. He's not good. If you struggle with depression, a low spirit, if you struggle with hopelessness, despair, if you, if you struggle with, with seeing a positive future coming from what's happening in your world, um, perhaps deep in your heart the lie is taking root that God is not good. Depression is the result of accepting the reality that we are bad and our lives are doomed and people are sinful and our hopes are futile and there will only be bad endings in this life. That's true unless God acts. And we're coping poorly with a truth that God can solve. And when our faith in Him gives way, then despair takes root. But depression, despair is not your friend. Despair is not your friend. Concluding that everything will not work out together for the good of me liberates you to sin freely because you don't think that there's any chance of good coming from it. The third lie is God is not fun. He's not competent. He's not good. He's not fun. If you struggle with pleasure, boredom, if you struggle with futility and you're chasing the next high or thrill or excursion and doing foolish things in your life, this comes from the lie that you believe that pleasure must be found somewhere else but God's presence, that, there, that God is somehow holding you back from the enjoyment that you could have in this world. That's a lie. God is holding you back from a world of pain that comes when you veer from his commands. The world is promising you a tic-tac of pleasure and a world of pain. Temporary pleasure, lasting pain. God is promising you temporary pain. His way is hard. Lasting pleasure, his way is good. 
Uh, living a foolish life is the result of rejecting the reality that pleasure needs limits to protect it. If you reject that reality that pleasure needs limits to protect it, then you will live like instant gratification is the best. But you'll learn the hard way that instant gratification cheapens every pleasure and leads to lasting suffering. God is not competent. God is not good. God is not fun. The fourth lie is God is not strong. If you struggle with an angry spirit, if you have a problem with authority that won't go away, if you have trouble trusting people who are leading you, perhaps the lie that's embedded itself in your heart is God is not strong. I need to control my life and those around me. Anger comes about when we reject the reality that our right to control is limited by God and others. If we reject that reality that our right to control should be limited by God and should rightfully be limited by other people, if we reject that, our hearts will never be at rest because we have sinfully empowered anger to take more control that is righteously ours. Uh, We should admit that we need our authority to be controlled by God and to be held accountable by others. These are the four lies. I'm sure you could tell me which of the four is the strongest in your heart. But if you don't deal with these lies, you will not be patient. You will not be patient. Because these are the lies that will drive you to think that God has somehow failed you and you must take action to correct what God has done wrong. If you want a patient heart, believe deep down inside that God is competent, God is good, God is fun, and He is strong. You know, Jesus displayed His power, and the disciples said, even the winds and the waves obey Him, right? And and I know in your heart you're wondering, well, then how come my problems don't obey Him? If He can control the weather, why can't He control what's going on in my life? It's hard to wait if you have a financial need. It's hard to wait if you have a health problem that seems to be getting worse. Uh, It's hard to wait when there's a relationship that's broken and it's not being fixed quickly. Or you see your child struggling. You begin to wonder, why doesn't God act sooner? When when a family member has a substance abuse problem, uh, why doesn't God act sooner when someone I know is dealing with mental health issues that are beyond their control? Uh, Or someone I love has chronic pain. You have to come back to what's true about God. What's true about God is pain serves His purpose. Pain serves His purpose. Pain is a tool in His hands that He can use to form us. He can display His power and His presence through our trials. When you say amen to that, you can believe that patience is right and good. Number one, God must give me the patience to wait, the power to wait. And that patience comes through belief. Number two, you can jot this down. I must put on patience in all my relationships. So first we talked about our relationship to God, which is vertical. Now horizontally, what about our relationships to others? Just look ahead to Colossians 3.12. Colossians 3.12 on the next page says this. uh, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Put on compassionate hearts. Wow. It goes on to say kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. 
And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Um, What does that say again? Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. What that means is I've got to put patience on in all of my relationships. Uh, Patience is going to be hard because there are other people in this world. Um, You may not have noticed this, but sometimes people in your life make it harder uh, to be patient. Do you know that? Raise your hand if you have some people in your life who are making it harder for you to be patient right now. And if they're in the room, you can just go ahead uh, and identify that person. Because then they'll pay closer attention to the sermon. Okay? We can have that person stand right now if you'd like. You can share your heart with them and you can pray for them. No? I must put on patience in all of my relationships. Other people teach us patience. I like what Bob Hope said. Bob Hope said this. I grew up with six brothers. That's how I learned to dance. Waiting for the bathroom. Other people teach us patience. You might be thinking, I'd be doing pretty well in my Christian walk if it wasn't for that person. God has blessed you with that person to teach you patience. We are supposed to put on patience every day. It's like we're supposed to get dressed in virtue and you don't wake up wearing it. You have to clothe yourself in patience every day. Uh, every day you've got to put it on. If, if you come across a brother or sister in Christ this morning who's being impatient, my recommendation to you is just to go like this. Oh my! Ah! And then when they're like, what? Just be like, ah! Put this on. <laughs> and they'll be like, what? Someone forgot to get dressed this morning. Put this on right now. And they'll be like, what is it? Patience. Put it on. You're humiliating yourself. Try that out. There was a uh, there was a news story recently about kids who got themselves dressed. Check out the pictures. Kids getting themselves dressed. Look at those boots. <laughs> Here's the next one. Kids who got themselves dressed. That those. Are those Mr. Potato Head glasses? Look at her, got to have the little dress and the snow boots in summer or fall. And uh, that guy, is he going swimming? What is, got himself dressed. Little sandals there. Kids getting themselves dressed. Uh, when, When Christians dress themselves poorly, other people notice. When you forget to put on patience, you're going to look as silly as that. We don't wake up wearing it. And so you have to get dressed. And you ha- In other words, you have to be patient with the people in your life every day. Uh, it's not done because you were patient yesterday. You have to put it on again today. I got to get dressed again today? Yes, you have to get dressed again today. Put on patience again today. I put it on yesterday. Put it on again today. This is what we are supposed to do. Patience is a part of life. And it's a daily part of life. And it's not going away anytime soon. The Bible is honest about this. It is a reality. And it's because time is a test. 
It's because time is a teacher. Time is a useful tool in God's perfect hands. And if you don't give God an amen for teaching you patience, you will resent the weight. If you don't see that God brings difficult people in your life to grow your character, you'll resent it, and then you won't grow. Patience is a part of life. We know this. Musicians are always singing about patience and writing about it, especially in the love songs. Am I right? Uh, I'm a child of the 80s, and I know all of the love songs from the 80s. We're entering a part of the sermon that I'm going to call Sermon Karaoke. (laughs) Do you know this song? Wherever you go, whatever you do, I will be right here waiting for you. Who is that? Do you know who that is? Richard Marks. How many of you got saved later in life? Amen. (laughs) How about this one? I've been waiting for a girl like you. Who is that? You know who that is? Foreigner. South Side. We know our 80s love ballads. Am I right? Back in the 80s, for you youngsters, tough guys whistled, and Guns N' Roses came out with this whole song called Patience. And a lot of it was just whistling. Uh, I didn't get saved until college, so I was able to listen to secular music growing up. I can whistle the whole song. You want me to? Stop, I can't smile and whistle at the same time. I could do the whole song. It's in my head. Sometimes when I'm feeling impatient. (laughs) See, they sing about it. They know about it because everyone is learning to be patient. Uh, Wow, I just did that. That was fun. (laughs) We have to put on patience in all of our relationships. The world knows it. The church knows it. The 80s glam rockers know it. Patience is a part of life. Uh, and God keeps everyone waiting for almost everything. That's the truth. Uh, Delay is divine. It is. Delay is divinely intended. It's a God thing. What does delay do? Fascinating when you think about it. Uh, Delay makes everything good better. Sweeter. Delay makes everything good better. Delay makes everything bad better worse. Time teaches saints the goodness of God, and time teaches sinners the badness of sin. Time and truth go hand in hand. Over time, God is piling up wrath for sinners, and over time, God is piling up reward for the saints. Your patience will be tested at church. Your patience will be tested at home. Your patience will be tested at work, because there's people there. And tell yourself this week when you get out of bed, I got to put on patience. I got to put it on. I got to put it on. Just whistle that song to yourself. Just be like, I got to put it on again today with that person. If you want to know how to be patient, God must give me power to wait. I must put on patience in all my relationships. Number three, you can jot this down. We have to learn the balance between being impatient and being permissive. You can turn in your Bible to Revelation 2. 
In Revelation 2, you find the Apostle John writing to the churches, and he gives, uh, he gives them a vision from the Lord Jesus, and Jesus gives them like a report card. So in Revelation chapter 2, there's several churches that are talked to, and they're commended and criticized for different things. Uh, but there you are in Revelation chapter 2, and what we see here is there's a balance between being impatient and being permissive. Uh, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write this, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, that's like, um, that's like symbolic speech for Jesus is searching his churches and walking among them. Verse 2, I know your works, your toil, and get this, your patient endurance. Wow, God looks into our church. Jesus walks among us. And you know what he knows? He knows just how patient we are. He knows that. I know your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. Wow. So this is a truth church. And the truth church is identifying those people who are questioning core doctrine, right? And, and finding the false teachers and getting rid of them. What do we learn here? We learn that there are times for immediate action. And when you find false teachers in the church, that's not time to be patient. That's time to take severe, swift action because it's commended by Jesus Christ. It says here in verse 3, I know you're enduring patiently. So there's consequences now because they are taking a stand for truth. And now they're enduring the suffering because of the action they took. It says, and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. You have not grown weary. Now you would think Jesus would say, bravo, just keep going. Your, your impatience with the sinners is, is to be blessed. But look what it says. But I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. What was going on in this church? They were a truth church, you know, and, and they got the sinners out and they were impatient with evil, but inside they were impatient with each other. They were cold. They were bitter. They were divided. And Jesus said, that's not patience. Good job getting the sin out. Now bring the love in. Do you see the balance between when we have to take swift, instant action on sin? But we can't have cold, harsh spirits towards each other. We need to be patient. We need to be patient, right? And this church was failing to love, and Jesus called them on it. Um, if you look at verse 18 to the church in Thyatira, he said this, And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, whose feet are like burnished bronze. He says, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance. There it is again. And that your latter works exceed the first. This, this church was filled with people who were patient and loving and serving each other. This is a grace church. I mean, they are in community. Their fellowship is, their small groups are like so loving says in verse 20, but I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. This is the Grace Church. The Grace Church would not confront the sin in the member, and this is a small group leader. She's, she's leading other people astray, and there's sexual immorality in the church, and no one's doing anything. That's not biblical patience. That's not biblical forbearance. This required drastic immediate action. 
How upset is the Lord? In verse 21, he says, I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works. I'll strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. That should terrify the grace church. Terrify the grace church. We have to learn the balance between being impatient and being permissive. If you're a truth person, if you think the truth of the Bible is being walked all over in the church and we need to uphold the standard of righteousness, I'd say amen. I'd say amen. But you can't let go of love. You can't let go of love in the name of truth. And you can't crush people with the truth. Yes, protect the gospel. Yes, watch the ranks of leadership. Yes, make sure that uh, the uh, doctrine is above board. Watch that wall like a hawk. But that can't be your spirit towards the family of faith. If you're a truth person, you need to be patient. If you're a grace person, watch out. Because there's a time for immediate swift action to deal with sin severely. And if in grace all you want to do is protect the heart of the sinner, you're not. There are times when you have to take swift, immediate, stern action And that's the most loving thing to do for a person who's caught in sin because God's fury is mounting and his judgment is coming and it's not loving to high-five a person's sin in the name of fellowship. It's not loving. Learn the balance between being impatient and being permissive. There is a difference and there's a time to be patient and there's a time to take action all in the spirit of love. Fourth, write this down. So how, how can I be patient? Well, God must give me the power to wait. I must put on patience in all my relationships. Learn the balance between being impatient and being permissive. And number four, write this down. Leaders must model patience for others to follow. The Bible sets up leaders as being examples to watch. So flip back to 2 Timothy verse 3. Uh, 2 Timothy verse 3, if you're uh, following along in your Bible. What you have here is... um, Uh, The Apostle Paul making his last appeal to Pastor Timothy, giving him uh, a charge, giving him advice, giving him wisdom. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, here's what he says. You, however, have followed my, what? My teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, and listen to this, my patience, my love and my steadfastness, my persecutions and my sufferings, what happened to me. You have followed my patience. Leaders, we are supposed to set an example in being patient for other people to follow. Small group leaders, ministry leaders, deacons and elders and staff, people are supposed to see us being patient, patient with difficult people, uh, patient. And, And we get frustrated because we can be impatient with the people who we're trying to help, right? Uh, and, and maybe you feel like, as a leader, maybe you feel like you're stuck with something in your own life and God's making it hard for you to display patience. You ever feel like you're stuck? How many of you feel like in your life right now you're stuck on something? You're just stuck and there's no movement, no motion, and it feels like God is doing nothing. You feel like you're right there, right? Okay, uh, check this out. Here's a picture of somebody. Uh, this is somebody who's stuck. You want to see that? You have that picture? There it is. <laughs> if you're in your car and you're trying to get where you're going, and that rolls out in front of you, you're going nowhere, right? I think we got another picture of uh, somebody who's stuck. There's a kid who got his 
his head stuck in a chair. I love that they gave him a sucker, you know, just here you go. We're going to saw you out. So here you go. I think we have maybe another one. That guy, yeah, he, yeah, that, he's, not, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. And maybe that to you is like, that's me. That's me. I'm getting nowhere. Right? And the most famous, stuck, stuck, stuck of all time, touch your tongue to the frozen pole. Maybe that's how you feel. I can't go anywhere. Hurry up, God. If you're a leader, you have to just preach this to yourself. God wants you to model patience to the people you're leading. And when there are people in your small group or on your ministry team who feel stuck and they're getting impatient, you can't lose heart. You can't lose hope. You can't give up. Um, We often say at our staff meetings that discipleship is like Ikea, right? How many of you shop at Ikea? You ever shop at Ikea? You don't buy a couch at Ikea. You buy a box. Then you go home and you have to put the whole thing together, you know? Uh, And when people enter your small group or join your ministry team, uh, it's like Ikea. All assembly required. We don't expect people to have put all of these things together already. We're not shocked when they need work. You know, we actually want to help them assemble these virtues. That's why we do what we do. So as a leader, you have to have that heart that you're going to help people who are growing impatient with God. And you're going to do it by showing them patience. You will display this for them. Look down to 2 Timothy 4.2, where it says uh, in 2 Timothy 4.2, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete, complete patience and teaching. That's a charge to leaders. That's a charge to leaders. Uh, Patience is essentially faith plus time. It's active. It's not passive. It's a long obedience in the same direction. Faith plus time. Time is a test. Are you passing it? Are you passing it? Time is a test. We have to pass this test. I'll never forget reading an article by F.W. Borum. If you don't read F.W. Borum, he's one of the best authors I've ever read. He's poetic. He writes essays. Here's a picture. I'll never forget an essay that he wrote about a uh, painting he saw, about a boat. And this isn't the exact painting he saw, but he was at the uh, museum in Melbourne, and he described looking at a painting of a ship waiting for the tide to come in. Uh, and he, he overheard a conversation of two young people who were, you know, uh, thinking about this painting, and they said, man, those, this painting must be about just, just, just waiting, just waiting for something to happen. And F.W. Borm thought about that, and he said, no, no, that's not what this is about. This isn't a, pic, a painting, a picture about s- people who are waiting for something to happen. Uh, he said, these are boatsmen familiar with the tide. And he said, they're waiting for the tide, and the tide is sure to come. He said, I can look in my newspaper and they will tell me when high tide arrives. And he used this to describe how as Christians wait, we're not waiting for something. We're not waiting for anything. We're we're waiting for something that God has determined to make happen. He is faithful. Just like the tide is faithful, you have to understand that your universe runs on certainties. Things that are fixed. Things that are predictable. You're not sitting there crossing your fingers for no reason. You are like the 
those who are familiar with the sea. And they're getting ready because as soon as the tide comes in, off they'll go. Is that you? Are you you sitting in the boat with the oars in your hands, confident that God will answer you soon? Are you ready for when he shows up? Or are you giving up? Are you doing nothing to show your faith in the Lord? The tide is certain to come, and God's faithfulness is certain to come on his schedule. Believe that truth about God, and you'll have a patient heart. Believe it, but you can't rush the tide. It is certain, but it teaches patience to everyone, regardless of who you are or where you've been. And that's how God treats you. No matter what you've done, right or wrong, God will teach you patience. He will subject you to the humbling, humiliating experience of having to wait. But you're waiting for the tide, and it will come, and it will come soon. So wait patiently on the God who loves you. Let's pray.